just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Saturday. We're into the weekend, but a lot of news this past week. A lot of things to talk about on this Rational Boomer Podcast. Kind of a good mood today. Yesterday, I spent the day with my two sons, my wife, and my granddaughter. Nothing could be more fun than that. My granddaughter, she makes sure I get plenty of cardio in because she's a runner. She's a runner and she moves pretty quickly and I've got to keep up with her and it isn't always that easy. To add to that, uh, later today I'm going to my grandson's basketball games. He's in a tournament, so I'll be hanging out with my granddaughter again, running up and down the halls as we tend to do during the basketball games. We try to switch off. My granddaughter's not as interested in the uh, game as much as we are, so I'll go out with her. My wife will go out with her. My son will go out with her. Her other grandparents will go out with her. We've kind of tag-teamed this stuff. My granddaughter's a little hard to focus on the game itself. She will watch it for a while, but then she gets antsy and wants to go do something her way. And of course, being a grandfather, whatever way she wants, I'm going to make sure she gets it. All right, let's start things off on this podcast with an email. And this email comes from Trevor. Now, before I read this email, I want you to remember when Trevor was on the show, the first time he was on the show, He was kind of a subdued, kind of a shy guy. Well, things seem to have changed around a lot with Trevor. Listen to this email. Uh, He's pretty pretty intent about this, and I, I don't blame him. I'm on his side. He says, Dear Mike, I have no idea what Mushroom Ron is thinking when he thinks that he can run the state of Florida the way he does. I saw a TikTok video before I went to bed, and it said that he wants to have a bill to get rid of the Florida Democratic Party. And I'm like, what in the fuck are you thinking? That's absolutely true. Nothing will happen with that. But it wasn't Ron DeSantis who put up that bill. It was some legislator. And basically what it intended to do was outlaw the Democratic Party. That's that's not going to happen. But Why do you waste the time to even suggest this? Anyway, Trevor goes on to say, I also don't know why he's eliminating the ability for diversity, equality, and inclusion to not be taught in schools where he's the biggest fucking racist. Now, the next word, I'm not going to say it starts with an F. It's not a good word. Trevor, you may want to edit that out later on. Uh, But he's the most racist in the world next to Greg Abbott and all the Trump fucks. I have to applaud all of the students who are standing up and protesting against this motherfucker who wants to incorporate African-American studies into their curriculum. I mean, for fuck's sake, Ron, you don't know jack shit about anything, you dumbass fat white boy. (laughs) I want him to die a very, very painful death or just be burned alive. (laughs) Yeah. Look at our little Trevor. That shy boy has grown into an adult. Trevor, I understand your passion. I understand your irritation. And I agree with every bit of it. Something has to be done about Ron DeSantis. But uh, you really kicked it up a notch here. You're, you're, you're serious about this. <laughs> it reminds me of a story about my wife kind of taking the same tack. And if she knew I was telling you this story, she'd probably hit me. So let's just keep it between us, okay? She has a relative. I'm not going to say who the relative is, but she has great disdain for this relative, and justifiably so. I'll just tell you that. This person is a horrible person. And um, she made a comment one time (laughs) where she said, Oh, I hope this person strokes out in their kitchen and dies. Well, that's a pretty mean thing to say, but I think she meant it because she dislikes this person so much. But that wasn't enough. (laughs) She says, I hope this person strokes out in their kitchen and dies. 
And then after a few days, her dogs eat her. <laughs> I go, wow, that took a turn. Same thing with Trevor here. It's not a much for him to die. He wants him to burn alive, too. <laughs> I understand your irritation, Trevor. I don't disagree with you. Ron DeSantis is a despicable human being. And uh, I'm not going to wish for any, anybody's death. Uh, but, you know, if something happened, I wouldn't be upset about it if Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, or any of these other trump just disappeared off the face of the earth. Hopefully that day will come, either in terms of their political affiliations and their political activities or, or whatever the fuck else. And since we're kind of talking about death there, Indirectly, anyway. Uh, one of the top stories of yesterday, I'm only going to give it a little bit of time because I'm tired of the fact that we're even dealing with this. But the Alex Murdaugh murder trial had been going on. We know that it went to the jury. The jury only looked at it for three hours. They knew what the fuck they were doing when they went into the deliberation room. But three hours later, they came out and um, convicted him of two murders and some other crimes as well. So then we had to wait a day or two to find out what his sentence would be. The judge sentenced him yesterday to life in prison for murders of his wife and son. A judge sentenced the disgraced South Carolina lawyer to two consecutive life terms without possibility of parole. That's a pretty serious statement, consecutive life terms, as opposed to concurrent. Now, you know, a lot of judges will have multiple crimes and they'll run them concurrently. So if you got 10 years from one crime, five years from another crime and two years from another crime, they'll all run together and it'll be over in 10 years. Judge didn't do it in this case. He gave him a life sentence and then another life sentence that is to run after the first life sentence and gave him no possibility of parole. This gentleman is never getting out of jail. He will die in jail. And frankly, there are few people more deserving of dying in prison. As much as he put on this shy country boy, you know, we know who he is. We know who the family is. I mean, this whole family was a fucking mess. I'd like to say I feel sorry for his wife and son, but I don't. His son was a piece of shit. His son was responsible for the death of one of his friends because he was driving drunk in a boat. And that's just one of many things he was involved in. His wife was a party to all these things, and it was absolutely ridiculous. His oldest son, Buster, who's not implicated in this situation, is implicated in another death where a, a young gay male was run over in the roadway. Now, they know he was part of this thing, but the sense is that it was intentional. This Murdoch family was a very wealthy, entitled family. They wielded a lot of power. They got away with a lot of shit. I mean, after that boat accident... Uh, my wife was watching the uh, documentary on it. After the boat accident, Alex Murdaugh and his father, the grandfather to the kid, they were trying to game this situation. They were on the phones. They were trying to pin uh, driving the boat on somebody else that didn't work. I mean, it was just fucking shitty. Now, Paul was going to stand trial for criminal charges in that boating accident, and they were trying every way to get him out of that, which he couldn't. He was drunk. He was driving. It's clear. There was fucking videos. There's diagrams that show he could be the only one driving the boat. And let's be honest, it's the Murdaugh boat. So why wouldn't he have been driving that motherfucker? These people are used to getting out from underneath a lot of troubles because they're wealthy and well-known and powerful. Well, today that all stopped. Paul, the son, the wife are dead. We've got Alex Murdaugh in jail with no chance of ever getting out. And the last Murdaugh is still out, Buster. But it looks like they're looking hard at him, too. So this whole family may be done. 
And uh, I don't feel sorry for them. I don't think they're good people. All right. We've been talking about this House Judiciary Chairman, Jim Jordan. We've talked about him a long time. This guy is a stupid motherfucker. He infamously refused to honor a lawful subpoena from the U.S. House Select Committee. Remember, the J6 Committee sent him a subpoena, and he said, yeah, no, nah, I'm not coming. And nothing ever happened to him. Um, his t- testimony last year on Friday issued a letter to the FBI Director Chris Ray demanding 16 FBI agents to testify before his committee or face subpoenas to do so. So here's a guy that doesn't comply with the subpoena, but now he wants a bunch of other people to comply with the subpoena. Well, why would they do that? Jim Jordan proved the fact that subpoenas don't mean shit. You don't have to comply with them if they come from Congress. So you think these FBI agents are going to accept these subpoenas? I think not. The letter is officially from the Judiciary Committee, but was tweeted out by the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, which is also chaired by Jim Jordan. The new subcommittee has been the subject of scrutiny and mockery. Absolutely. This subcommittee is an absolute joke. Um, Jordan kept talking about how he had dozens and dozens and dozens Uh, whistleblowers. Yet, he's only had three testify so far. And each one of these three have been discredited because they have been paid for by Donald Trump or people around Donald Trump, which kind of negates them as being whistleblowers. And most of them have gone on to the stand and took questions and answered no questions that helped Jim Jordan's agenda at all. In fact, they contradicted what Jim Jordan expected them to say. All I have to say is there's a big difference from tweeting bullshit to sitting under oath, because if you're under oath and you commit perjury, well, motherfucker, you're going to jail. And they didn't comply with Jim Jordan's request for them to lie. Jordan claimed he had three FBI whistleblowers who Democrats in a damning 300-page report says have no firsthand knowledge of any wrongdoing. And they said that on the stand. Democrats are demanding Jordan make the three agents testify in public about the so-called weaponization of the law enforcement agency. They want them to do that, to expose these jokes for what they are. You know, it's real easy to go and say, oh, we've got whistleblowers, we're going to talk to them behind Uh, closed doors, and we'll tell you how bad this is. No, have them do it in public. See if they'll commit perjury on television. Now, a series of reports have shown that Jim Jordan's new weaponization subcommittee is all based on lies. Witnesses who appeared at hearings, they've spread conspiracies about J6. Some have zero firsthand knowledge of FBI wrongdoing. And some have been paid by Trump allies. New York Times reported at least two of the so-called whistleblowers were compensated by a top Trump ally, Cash Patel. Nick Ackerman, former assistant special Watergate prosecutor and former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, told Newsweek on Friday that Jordan and the Republicans are lying on three nutcases to provide evidence of a deep state conspiracy about COVID-19, January 6th Capitol riot, riot, and the 2020 presidential election. Now, what was interesting, um, Chairman Jordan's three-page Friday letter to the FBI director appeared at the far right-wing website Breitbart, which has no credibility. It says an exclusive and was posted to Twitter by Jordan's committee, which also retweeted the Breitbart story. The Judiciary Committee also quickly republished the Breitbart story to the committee's website. You notice they don't send it to a legitimate publication because they would fact check it. Breitbart will print anything that fucking Jim Jordan sends them, whether it's truth or lies. We know Fox News lies. I can guarantee you that Breitbart lies, too. 
Now, it was interesting. I saw uh, part of the hearing, and there is a Democratic representative. His name is Daniel Goldberg, I believe. He is a former prosecutor during the impeachments, actually. He's a former prosecutor. He's a very sharp guy, and he knows how to question these people. So he's questioning Jim Jordan. Now, Jim Jordan's said he has dozens and dozens of whistleblowers. The three he's brought up were absolute jokes and have no information. So Dan Goldberg said, listen, when are we getting the transcripts from all these dozens and dozens of whistleblowers? And Jim Jordan was just befuddled. He didn't know what to do with that question because there isn't dozens and dozens of whistleblowers and the three he has are shit. But Dan Goldberg kept pushing. He says, well, when they testify. He says, yeah, but haven't you talked to these people yet? And he didn't answer. He said, if you talk to these people, didn't anybody take notes? Didn't she get some names? What the fuck's going on here? And Jim Jordan was just confused and upset. And he says, well, I'll take it up with the ranking member. Daniel Goldman says, okay. He said, but you didn't take any notes? You don't have any names? And uh, Jim Jordan was absolutely flustered. He has no answer. You know, the fact of the matter is, is he comes into these investigations thinking he's got this big show that he's going to expose all these things, but he shows his ignorance, his stupidity. He's a guy that... uh, wants to give the perception that he's got all this evidence, but there is no substance. He can't back up anything he says. Now, anybody with a reasonable mind wouldn't even wade into that because you know you're going to look stupid. But apparently, Jim Jordan enjoys looking stupid because he's looking stupid over and over again. So you would think if they have uh, no substance in these investigations that he might stop doing them. Why embarrass myself anymore? Well, that's not true. There are other investigations. He's going to keep pushing the uh, narrative, and he's going to look like a fool each and every time. Republicans can't survive with all these conspiracy theories and no evidence and no substance. They want to push along the uh, election fraud. No evidence. They want to push along that these were tourists at the January 6th insurrection. No evidence of that. There's plenty of evidence to the contrary. So these people can only go so far and go so long before the wheels come off the bus. And we're getting close to that point. I mean, here's Jim Jordan chairing a subcommittee that he created And he can't even come up with any evidence in these alleged whistleblowers. How long is it going to go before he's so embarrassed that he just gives it up and moves on to something else? Well, the problem with Jim Jordan and the Republicans, they have nothing else. They have no plans or policy to do anything that would fall under their job titles. All they know how to do is try to own the libtards. And they are doing horribly at owning the libtards. I've said before, you know, that I think Democrats are rather enjoying this, watching these people flounder and look stupid. Instead of fighting back, just let them cut their own throats. I think that's exactly what they're doing, and that may be the very best decision at this point. Well, Donald Trump is in an uproar again. As of late, he's been in an uproar almost every day. Apparently, Trump's feeling some uh, pressure from the Manhattan District Attorney, Elvin Bragg. It triggered another vicious attack Friday on Bragg and Stormy Daniels, who's part of the investigation into Trump's activities. So Donald Trump goes on to say the racist Manhattan District Attorney, Elvin Bragg, who's black, by the way, is being pushed relentlessly by the radical left Democrats, the fake news media, and the Department of Injustice to bring charges against me for the now ancient no-affair story of stormy horse Daniels. Trump posted on Truth Social misspelling Daniels as he does with so many other words. I already posted something about his wife and he misspelled his wife's name. 
But Donald Trump does this all the time when he starts feeling pressure. He starts calling people names and starts making up nicknames for organizations like the Injustice Department. It's so childish. It's so infantile. It's almost embarrassing. You would think Donald Trump um, would be embarrassed, but he doesn't have enough self-awareness to be embarrassed by anything. He thinks that anything comes out of his mouth is golden and as if it comes directly from Jesus. He's so narcissistic, he thinks he can say virtually anything and people will buy it. Well, Donald needs to come up and understand something, that almost everything he says, nobody buys it because it's utter bullshit. Now, among Trump's issues Bragg is investigating is alleged hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels just before the 2016 election. Trump's former fixer, Michael Cohen, who you're hearing a lot from these days, has testified that he followed orders from his boss to pay Daniels $130,000 to not talk to reporters about her relationship with Trump. Cohen claims he was later reimbursed by Trump. Now, we know Michael Cohen was actually convicted and put in jail for this crime. We know that Donald Trump was identified as an unidentified, uh, unindicted co-conspirator. So if Michael Cohen goes to jail and his co-conspirator is Donald Trump, well, then that would make him guilty as well. Now, Cohen served time in prison after pleading guilty to federal charges of violating campaign finance law, including making the Daniels payment. He's currently cooperating with Bragg's investigation. He's met with Bragg like seven, eight times. So there's something going on there. Now, Trump has never faced charges for those payments. He could face possible charges linked to allegedly falsifying business records and secret payments to manipulate information that could affect his election. That's a no-no. That is fucking illegal. Evil and illegal. Daniels tends to take Trump's vicious attacks in stride. She responded in January after he got all head up over the issue on True Social, mocking his poor grammar and claiming that he inadvertently confirmed their affair. He failed to flatly deny the relationship in his post, only complaining that stormy nonsense is very old and happened a long time ago. Well, Donald, you said it didn't happen, and now in that quote you say it happened a long time ago. That's confusing. Daniels responded on Twitter, Thanks for just admitting that I was telling the truth about everything. Guess I'll take my horse face back to bed now, Mr. Former President. You know that got under Donald Trump's skin. God forbid a woman actually attack him. Trump insisted in his post Friday that there is no crime and charges have never been brought on such a case before. He added, in the meantime, Hunter and Joe Biden skate. He did not detail what kind of charges Joe Biden and his son might be skating on. Now, now we know that Trump usually lashes out when there's new information that he could be at increasing risk of indictment. We know now his former White House aide, Kelly Kellyanne Conway, earlier this week, met with investigators in Bragg's office. Question is, Kellyanne Conway, is she going to lie or tell the truth? I have a feeling she's going to tell the truth. Why would she risk her future freedom on a dumb fuck loser like Donald Trump? Now, I heard something. I saw a tweet of this. I don't know if it's true. It would not surprise me. I would say, why did it take this long? But we know that Kellyanne Conway always been a big Trump humper, but her husband, George Conway, was always rabidly against Donald Trump. Kellyanne would say one thing. George would say another. They'd go home, go to bed together, have breakfast together. You wonder, how the fuck does that happen? How does that happen? Now, what I saw in this tweet was that apparently they're getting divorced. Not surprised by that. I only ask, what took so fucking long? We'll have to find out for sure if that's true. That could be some bullshit, too. But it wouldn't at all surprise me. I just have to think that George maybe could have done it much sooner. Legal observers have noted that Conway's questioning can't be good news for Trump. Make no mistake. 
charges against Trump are coming from the Manhattan DA for the 2016 election wrongdoing to complement those from the Atlanta DA for 2020 election wrongdoing. Attorney and senior fellow at Brookings Institute, Norm Eisen, tweeted on Wednesday, and they're coming soon. Well, let's hope that's true. I know we've all been waiting a long time for these indictments. And I'm a firm believer if they start doling out these indictments to Donald Trump, the people around Donald Trump, the sitting members of Congress, maybe we could neutralize some of the crazy shit that's going on. You know, like these ridiculous committees, as much as they're embarrassing for Jim Jordan, they're actually an embarrassment for this country. People around the world are looking at what's going on and are thinking, this is a fucking clown show. This is a shit show. I think the DOJ has been a little remiss by taking too long to indict people. You know, we've got this debt limit thing coming up and all the MAGA fucks want to hold this country hostage for that debt limit so we can cut Social Security or whatever the fuck. I've always said if the DOJ had indicted some of these people that are in Congress that were part of the January 6th insurrection, the planning, the strategizing, the fundraising, we might be able to shut these people down. I don't know that we would be able to kick them out of Congress that quickly, but uh, they'd be too busy with other shit to try to fuck up the country any further. I think the DOJ could go a long way in saving this country a lot of stress and strain and trouble by finally getting their act together and indicting these people that clearly committed fucking crimes. I am getting impatient about it. I know I've always been the one that says, let's just wait, let them do what they've got to do, they've got to do it right, and I still stand by that. But at some point, somebody has to pull the trigger. I've always said what I've learned in my life is you're better off making the wrong decision than no decision. You got to keep moving forward. Right now, we're two years, less than two years away from the 2024 elections. We've got all the things that may have slowed things down behind us, the midterms, the holidays, all that shit. Now's the time to get down to business before we get too deep into 2024 and people are screaming about, you can't do that because there's an election. Now, I'm not confident about Merrick Garland that he has the tenacity or the balls to actually pull the trigger, but I do think Jack Smith is hot on the trail here. Jack Smith is now looking into Donald Trump's lawyers, which is interesting. If he's talking to the lawyers, there's going to be a lot of information disclosed. I know a lot of people will say, what about the client-lawyer privilege? Well, that is an aspect of this thing. But as we've seen, when they can prove that it is part of a criminal activity, that privilege no longer exists. And I think it's pretty clear that there was a lot of criminal activity going here. And I think Jack Smith knows what the fuck is going on. If Donald Trump is worried about Kellyanne Conway, he's even more worried about lawyers talking to Jack Smith. Donald Trump is slowly but surely getting painted into a corner, and there is no way out. Once this train has started, it's not going to stop until it runs over the top of Donald Trump. So we're going to see what happens. And I know I've said be patient, and I still say be patient. It's going to happen. I don't really have any concerns that it's not going to happen with all that's gone on. The amount of time and money and man hours have spent on these investigations in Georgia, in New York, in D.C. They aren't doing all this for the fun of it. They're doing this for a reason. And as I've said before, as much as it is a little touchy to indict a former president, at this point in time, this country the people in this country know too much. Nothing can be hidden from this country as far as the evidence and the proof that there are crimes being committed. I truly think that if they do not indict Donald Trump or the people around him, that's going to cause more problems than what they imagine by indicting a former president. 
I had somebody on TikTok come up and say, I think he was a Trump humper. I kind of called him out, which I don't normally do, but I did in this case because I was in kind of a mood. But anyway, he says, what are you going to do if if Trump doesn't get indicted and he does run for the presidency in 2024? What are you going to say then? And then he says something like, you can't be complacent about this. What would you do then? He's calling me out. I pointed out that he used a multisyllabic word, complacent, really didn't fit the sentence. And I asked him if he actually checked the definition of complacent before he used it so he didn't look stupid. Clearly he didn't because he looked stupid. And I explained to them, you can't tell me what the fuck I'm going to say or do. I say what I say. And if you don't like it, fucking go away. If you know me at all, if you tell me not to do something, I'm probably going to do it two more times because I'm an asshole like that. You know, unless I'm really being stupid and I'm wrong, I'll admit that and I won't do it again. But the fact is, Donald Trump will not run for the presidency in 2024. He will not be able to for any number of reasons. But if he does win the nomination, there is zero chance he wins the presidency. In fact, if Donald Trump is the candidate for the Republican Party in 2024, that is an absolute gift to the Democratic Party. Now, we've got a lot of Republicans and we've got a lot of Democrats saying, oh, if he runs, he could win. No, 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 no. Think about this. Let's look at facts instead of rhetoric. Fact is, he won the election in 2016, but there was meddling by the Russians and they were doing it to benefit Donald Trump. God knows what other criminal activity was going on in 2016, but he won. Then 2018, the midterms came up. He lost the House and he lost the Senate. Donald Trump gained nothing. He lost a lot in 2018. Then in 2020, he went up for re-election. He lost by 7 million votes. And then in 2022, all these people that support Donald Trump, all the endorsees that Donald Trump had, and they kept claiming there's going to be a red wave. Well, there was no red wave. The whole midterm elections was incredibly disappointing for the Republicans, and they failed mightily. So based on those three elections, that's where I get my understanding that Donald Trump cannot win in 2024. Take all this time and all those elections where he's failed. Please tell me where he's gained support in this time. Please tell me where he's going to gain support between now and 2024. Fuck, he's going to be indicted. He's going to be going to trial. All the people around him are going to be indicted. How is that getting him more votes? It won't. The best thing the Democrats could hope for is that Donald Trump is the candidate, or even better, somebody else like DeSantis is the candidate, and then Donald Trump runs in a third party. Then the Republicans get absolutely fucking wiped out. And don't worry so much about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis has so many fuck-ups in Florida. Between now and 2024, I don't know that Ron DeSantis could get the nomination. He certainly couldn't get the presidency. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. You know, there was a time when the Republican Party was actually a legitimate party, had some self-respect. And the CPAC get-together, premier get-together for conservatives and Republicans that has gone on for decades, That was considered legitimate, too. But now both are declining very quickly. They're becoming jokes. They're not serious anymore. We've got the Republicans who are largely conspiracy theorists, traitors, fucking clowns. And then we've got CPAC. Well, CPAC was a big show for a long time. All the conservatives, all the Republicans would go. You'd have the big names talking and doing all kinds of important stuff, getting ready for the next presidential election. But that's not the case anymore. No, in fact, uh, they aren't getting the big names this time around. 
most are all staying away. I think Donald Trump is going to speak. But people like Nikki Haley, um, Donald Trump Jr., they're all there to uh, speak, so to speak. When they pan around the room on C-SPAN during this CPAC convention, it's almost embarrassing how many empty seats there are. I mean, this used to be a big deal. Remember just a few years ago when they had the CPAC meeting and uh, uh, they had the big gold statue of Donald Trump. The place was packed. All these fucking trump fucks going stupid in this thing. But that's not the case anymore. They're not pulling the kind of crowds they used to pull. Fact is... The Republican Party and CPAC, among other things connected to the Republicans, becoming irrelevant. Not as many people are interested in what they have to say or what they represent. Now, what's interesting is those people that are speaking at this event this time around, they're kind of the B players, if you will. Nikki Haley, Don Jr., Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle. Then there's vendors all over the CPAC convention. And you know what they're doing for the most part? They're fucking grifting. They're taking this time to turn it into a, um, a grifting opportunity. So you go there to get some substance, get some information, get some support, get some uh, incitement for the upcoming presidential election. Here's some good ideas and decide who you're going to vote for president. Not this time around. Don Jr.'s up there in a coke state of mind, freaking out, flailing his hands, and his eyes are moving around wildly. And what does he tell you? He says, you know, what you need to do is drop your T-Mobile phone service and go with Patriot Cellular. Don't give your money to the woke T-Mobile folks. Join Patriot Cellular, which he will no doubt get a cut from. Now, what Don Jr. doesn't tell you is that Patriot Cellular is just kind of a shell company. It's not a real phone company. The only way they get service, phone cellular service, is by renting space from fucking T-Mobile, of all places. But they want you to buy their service and still use T-Mobile, but then they get a cut of the money. When does it end with these motherfuckers? Then there's some people out there promoting conservative dating apps. Now, I think this is actually a public service. I can't imagine how disconcerting it might be. You go on a dating app, you see somebody you like, you swipe left or right or whatever the fuck you do, and you go out to meet this person. Say you're an intelligent, self-respecting liberal with above-average intelligence. You see this other person who's maybe attractive, maybe knows how to write a profile, and you sit down, and the moment you sit down, you realize this is a Trump-humping piece of shit. Now you're stuck in this dinner with this piece of shit, and you got to figure a way out. So if the conservatives can have their own app and keep the conservatives with the conservatives, I think that's a pretty good deal. And then there's Ted Cruz. Yeah, Ted Cruz was selling something different. He went on stage. We talked about this in yesterday's podcast. And he gets up there, and now he's pimping his podcast, imploring pressuring people to go to their phones and subscribe to his shitty fucking podcast. I'm proud to say that I've never had to do that. People want to subscribe, awesome. If they don't, that's cool too. If they want to listen every so often, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I do. We'll see where the chips fall. But not Ted Cruz. Apparently, he's looking at a future here. Maybe he doesn't see his future as a... Um, as a uh, senator for very long. Maybe he thinks he's going to have to find another job and what better than having a podcast making all kinds of money. It's all about the grift for all these fucks. So you go into the CPAC thing and expecting big things and you got sparse crowds, everybody trying to grift you. And that's where we're at with the Republican Party and CPAC. 
So the Conservative Public Action Conference, as I said, is sliding into irrelevance as the gathering continues to build itself around former President Donald Trump. They're still talking about Donald Trump. You would think they'd be off that bandwagon by now, but not the case. And as the fallout grows over the leadership scandal um, on Friday, they seem to get more incited. The events on display at the nation's MAGA carnival, which is what it is basically, to National Harbor, Maryland, exemplifying the decline. Now, the quote goes, Today, amid the Trump-related merch and art, Donald Trump Jr. caused a stir when he told attendees to look for gold-wrapped chocolate bars under their seats for the chance to win a VIP ticket to a reception with his father on Saturday. Essentially, a backstage pass. Wow. Who wouldn't want a backstage pass to see Donald Trump? I'd take my chocolate bar and shove it up his ass and hopefully it would give him a heart attack. Now, as my call, uh, this gentleman goes on, as my colleague Meredith McGraw reported exclusively today, the plan includes investments in vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, baby bonuses, and hives of industries free from Chinese imports. There's no small chance Trump's audience tomorrow will be cheering procreation and made-to-order places to live. Now, when I say tomorrow, I mean today. Donald Trump is set to speak today at CPAC. And this should be a fucking doozy. Can you imagine what Donald Trump will say? All these investigations looming over him. Ron DeSantis biting at his heels. Nikki Haley talking badly about older people. Oh, Donnie's going to be in rare form. And I'm looking forward to it. Anytime Donald Trump comes out and makes a fool out of himself, I'm giddy. Now, some declared and potential presidential candidates choose to stay away, like Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence. But as I said, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, who was greeted by a crowd chanting for Trump instead of her. So Nikki Haley's all confident up and thinking she's going to run for president. She steps in front of CPAC and all they're all their fucking chanting is Trump. And then there's Vivek Ramaswamy, the biotech entrepreneur who, like Trump, is running for president in 2024. Have you even heard of that guy? Yeah, I haven't heard of him either. Now, all of this is occurring against the backdrop of CPAC organizer Matt Schlapp. Remember his problem. He's facing allegations of sexual assault against a male GOP Senate staffer, allegations he vehemently denies, but that have resulted in other people coming forward with claims of a hostile work environment. Can you imagine? Here's the king of the conservatives. (laughs) And he's not only being accused of sexual assault, but it's an assault on another man. My God, what will the Republicans do if their main guy happens to be homosexual? That's got to be horrifying for them. It's about as Trumpy a show as you'll find anywhere in the GOP, and whatever happens in the straw poll on Saturday should be taken with a bucket load of salt. But you can't ignore it either. Trump is still the front runner to win the party's nomination in 2024. If anyone is going to knock him off, eventually they're going to need to cut his margins with the energetic grassroots activists who go to events like CPAC, not entirely unfaithful representation of the base of the GOP. And we know, of course, the base is going to stand with Donald fucking Trump. I mean, that just shows how irrelevant it is. Only his base, the 25 or 30 percent, support Donald Trump. Everybody else is against Donald Trump, but he'll step up there at CPAC in the straw vote and he will win and he will be projected as the nomination nominee for the candidacy of the Republican Party to run for president. But we know that's not going to happen. There's a lot of shit that's going to fall on Donald Trump's head between now and 2024. CPAC can say whatever the fuck they want, but he will not be running for president.
like I said in the previous section of this podcast, if only he was the candidate for the Republican Party, that would be a gift to the Democrats. But let's be honest, the vast majority of the Republican Party do not want Donald Trump as a candidate. They just do not want it. In addition to the fact that his support is slipping, his money is diminishing, and he might very well be indicted sometime between now and 2024. Nothing's really working for Donald Trump at this point. And as I said, the last three elections he's been involved in have all been big losers for the Republicans. So why would the Republicans want to support this fucking clown? Well, most of them with above average intelligence don't. It's just that stupid fucking base. And for whatever reason, the Republicans, the majority of the Republicans, bend and bow to MAGA. Well, that's their fucking problem. That will just ensure a loser in 2024. Now, Steve Bannon was also a speaker at CPAC. Isn't he going to jail for four or five months for not complying with the subpoena? When is that fucking going to happen? Well, he's, of course, uh, appealed it. So they have to go through that process. But ultimately, he will be in jail. And there's an excellent chance his name will come up in either Georgia or with the DOJ regarding the January 6th insurrection. Steve Bannon's not going to have a lot of free time in the near future. He's going to be in a cell someplace. Now, at several points during his speech at CPAC on Friday, podcaster and former Trump strategist Steve Bannon was heaping scorn on the Fox Corporation chairman Rupert Murdoch and Fox News Channel to wild cheers and multiple standing ovations from the MAGA audience. Yes, Steve Bannon and all the other Trump LaFucks are upset with Rupert Murdoch. And why? Well, it's because of their lawsuit with Dominion for $1.6 billion and the documents that were released from Dominion in this lawsuit, suggesting that behind the scenes, nobody believed that Donald Trump actually won, and they decided instead to lie on television instead of tell the truth. Well, the fact that that's been exposed is troubling to Donald Trump, to Steve Bannon, and all the other trump Bannon went on after the Murdoch family more than once, calling the billionaire an oligarch and bashing the family as a bunch of foreigners who have given America nothing. It's funny, maybe three years ago, I bet these people were speaking very highly of Rupert Murdoch and Fox News. The moment they turn against him, it's a totally different story. And that's how it is with Republicans and Donald Trump. If you have the audacity to go against Donald Trump and you could be his own kid, he will come back and tear you apart. That's the big piece of shit he is. Now, as the speech continued, the crowd got even more into it. Of course, all these mouth-breathing, red-meat-eating toothless Trumplefucks were really excited about what Steve Bannon has said, even though he's a convicted felon twice and probably three or four more times after this, they support this dumb motherfucker. They supported it, especially when he attacked the Fox News Channel specifically, first over the network's infamous on the right decision to call Arizona for Joe Biden, and then for more recent transgressions, as I said, with all these text messages revealing that they believe that Donald Trump did lose. Now, Steve Bannon said, look at Fox News. The president announces his, this is historic. A guy gave you four years of peace and prosperity, announces he's going to run again after having it stolen in broad daylight, of which they participated in. They don't even, they don't cover it live for 20 minutes. And then they say there's there's anything newsworthy, we'll cut back, and they go to some panel and some discussion. Note to Fox senior management, when Donald J. Trump talks, it's newsworthy, shouted Bannon. Well, whether it's newsworthy or not, I don't know. But I can guarantee you when he speaks, it won't be fucking coherent. So how do you run that if nobody can understand what the fuck he's saying? Now, as he continued to trash the network's coverage, he demanded Paul Ryan be removed because he's on the 
board there and told old man Murdoch to quit giving softball interviews to Trump's primary opponents. Bannon was repeatedly showered with applause and cheers from the audience. So Steve Bannon is upset with Fox News. Fox News is off the Trump train and they're looking for their next superstar, whether that be Ron DeSantis or whoever it ends up being. I guarantee you that by 2024, when there is a front runner for the presidency for the Republican Party, Fox will be all in on that. Doesn't matter if this person's a liar, a treasonist, an insurrectionist, a uh, sexual deviant. It doesn't matter. They will be on board. <clears throat> now, Bannon referenced recent revelations about the behind-the-scenes communications at the network in which, you know, high-level personnel admitted that they didn't believe that Trump won the election. They don't like that when you admit the truth. He also brought up the topic of a soft ban on Trump and his family members. Think about it. You haven't seen Trump or any of his family members on Fox as of late. They don't respect you. Read the depositions, he said. They have a fear and loathing and contempt for you. And you're the ones that can make changes. Now, he's speaking to the red meat-eating mouth breathers in the crowd. He closed out with a threat to Murdoch. Murdoch, you've deemed Trump's not going to be president. Well, we've deemed that you're not going to have a network, he yelled, as the audience stood again, waving, cheering, and applauding, because we're going to fight you every step of the way. Now, prior to his CPAC appearance, Bannon appeared in court this week for a pretrial hearing in the We Build the Wall fraud case. Last month, a lawsuit was brought against him for unpaid legal bills by attorneys who represented him in several matters, including two federal cases, one which resulted in a conviction. So Steve Bannon's got all kinds of problems. I mean, how many times over the last six years have we said, as Democrats, as reasonably-minded folks, that we got to shut down Fox News? Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that uh, Steve Bannon and all the other Trump would do the job for us. And let's hope they're successful. Getting Fox News out of the way would be fucking wonderful. They have been nothing but damaging to this country and our democracy, and they need to fucking go. They, can't, they shouldn't even be given the opportunity to change. They cannot be trusted. They've lied so much. They've spewed so many conspiracy theories. There's no reason anybody should put faith in that fucking network ever again. Now, also at CPAC was another B-Squad guy who thinks he's going to be president and doesn't have a fucking prayer. During his Friday CPAC speech, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo repeatedly criticized Donald Trump. Nikki Haley has announced that she's seeking the Republican nomination, and Mike Pence will likely announce soon. Both of those Republicans have refused to criticize Donald Trump. Considering Trump is the odds-on favorite to win the nomination, that makes the competition much more difficult for them. Now, Pompeo, who is also likely to seek the nomination, took a different tack during his Friday CPAC speech. He went after Donald Trump. Maybe not directly, but we knew who he was talking about. He started out by saying, we can't become the left following celebrity leaders with our own brand of identity politics. Those with fragile egos who refuse to acknowledge reality. Who does that sound like? This is a tough world, both abroad and here, and we know we can't shift blame to others, but must accept the responsibility that comes to those of us who step forward and lead. Yeah, Mike, like you're a fucking leader. The Republican then mentioned his former boss directly by name. He says, I stare today at a $31 trillion in debt, and I tell my son, make sure you work hard because Social Security may, not just, may just not be there for you. Every recent administration, Republican and Democrat alike, added trillions of dollars to our debt. 
that is deeply unconservative. The Trump administration, the administration I served, added $8 trillion in new debt. This is indecent and can't continue. Earning back that trust will be hard work. It won't just be a campaign speech. So he's calling out Donald Trump for the very thing he did. You know, the Republicans keep talking about, we're conservative, let's let's drop the debt. Yet when Donald Trump was in office, he, um, he raised it by $8 trillion. He raised the, the debt by almost 25%. And they're the conservative ones? I think not. So in Baltimore, House Democrats, they're ready for a Biden 24 campaign. They believe in their hearts that Joe Biden will run in 2024. I still think he won't ultimately run. He may announce that he's running, but that will probably change within the next two years. During their retreat in Baltimore this week, lawmakers from all ends of the politically diverse caucus flocked to Joe Biden's side ahead of his expected 2024 announcement. And one in particular is eager for him to make the bid official. I would like to see him announce sooner, Representative Pramila Jayapal, the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus who endorses who endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders in 2020, Democratic primary, but she's supporting Joe Biden. Now, nobody's surprised that Biden was not my choice in the first election for the primary, she said at a separate point during the retreat. But the CPAC and the president and his administration have formed an incredibly strong partnership. Biden, on a number of occasions, has indicated that he will run for a second term. And First Lady Jill Biden told Associated Press last week that pretty much the only thing left to do is pick a time and place for the announcement. So he may announce. That doesn't mean that he's actually going to run. Now, during a visit with White or with House Democrats at the Issues Conference, the president said we have a lot of unfinished business as well to finish the job that needs to be done. The state of play jives with the sentiment among House Democrats who believe that Biden, with legislative wins from the last Congress in tow, can and should receive another four years in the White House, looking past concerns over his lagging poll numbers. And I tend to agree. If Joe Biden is viable in 2024, he should easily win the election up against anybody, any Republican. Now, Representative Pete Aguilar says, I do think he should run. I think he will win. I think he's our strongest candidate. And I tend to agree. He probably is the strongest candidate at this point. Aguilar is the chair of the House Democratic Caucus, pointed to a number of bills Biden signed into law last Congress. The $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill and gun safety laws. I mean, make no mistake, Joe Biden has accomplished a lot since becoming the president. He's done a good job, given, you know, all the things that surrounded him. The Republicans trying to obstruct. He got a lot accomplished that people weren't expecting him to accomplish. And I think that, you know, if he does run... If he does run, he should win. But again, he's going to be 82 years old. Is he going to be fit enough to run? I mean, he's a healthy guy. He's in good shape. He's doing fine right now, in spite of what the Republicans say about his uh, cognitive abilities. He's certainly more cognitive than Donald Trump at this point. All you have to do is take whatever each one of them last said, and you can find out that Donald Trump, you can't even understand what he's saying or why he's saying it. So I have no problem at this point. But when you're 82 years old, things can change quickly. Now, there is something 
that I'm sure the Republicans are going to make a big deal about, and it turns out it's really not that big a deal. But it's worth mentioning because he is the president. A skin lesion was removed from President Joe Biden's chest last month as a basal cell carcinoma. It's a common form of skin cancer, his doctor said Friday, adding that no further treatments were required. Dr. Kevin O'Connor, the White House doctor who has served as Biden's longtime physician, said all cancerous tissue was successfully removed during the president's routine physical on February 16th. Biden's 80 now and was deemed by O'Connor to be healthy, vigorous, and fit to handle the White House responsibilities during the physical exam, which comes as he is weeks away from launching his expected bid for 2024. Now, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, Joe's healthy. Joe's in good shape. As much as the Republicans want to say, oh, his dementia, his cognitive abilities. Every time I've seen him speak, he seems very coherent, very clear, to the point, and actually giving some good speeches. I would love to have a Republican point out one instance where he appeared to be um, not not coherent. I haven't seen that. Now, that's not to say it didn't happen, but, you know, his trouble with with stuttering. And he, he's, he's not the greatest orator that we've ever had in the Oval Office, but I think he does fine. He certainly does far better than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is an absolute joke. He's a fucking child. He doesn't have the maturity or the intelligence to be, uh, to be a representative or, or, or anything else, let alone a fucking president of the United States. That's clear. If we are stuck with a Republican president at some point in the future, I can only hope that they're a little brighter and a little less narcissistic There'll still be a problem to deal with, but if we can get rid of those childish and ridiculous and embarrassing traits in whatever Republican president we may have in the future, I'd be happy with that. But I'll go back to what I said before. Given all that's gone on and all that will go on between now and 2024, Donald Trump could run, Ron DeSantis could run. Mike Pompeo could run. Nikki Haley could run. None of them can beat any Democrat, let alone Joe Biden. The one advantage that Joe Biden has is all his experience in Congress and in Washington, D.C. He understands how the game is played, and we've seen how that has benefited him over the last two years. Nobody else that would run against him has that kind of savvy or that kind of experience. And Joe Biden will use that savvy and experience and shove it down the Democrats' throats. Throw in the fact that the Republicans have been nothing but embarrassing. The House of Representatives, controlled by the Republican Party, will accomplish nothing. They aren't going to be hard to beat, especially if the indictments start to fall. It's going to be a shit show for the Republicans. And 2024 is probably a big goal for them. They know that they're hanging on by a thread, that the Republican Party is in a precarious position. And time is running out because the millennials and Gen Zs are coming of age. And when they do, presumably in 2028, that's all she wrote for the Republicans, at least in the current form they take now. Millennials and Gen Zs are not going to tolerate overturning Roe v. Wade, not having gun controls not conspiracy theories or all those things. Time has come for those young people to have a say in this country because what continues on after this mess we've been through, they're the ones that are going to have to live with it. They're the ones that are going to have to fix it. So the faster they can get in the mix and start making some of the decisions the decisions that will affect their futures, not mine, not yours, because we're too old, will be gone by then. But they need to take the reins, and they need to take control so they can ensure something better for their futures. And it looks like they are. In 2020, 
and in 2022, we had the millennials and the Gen Zs come forth and really have an impact on the elections. It's going to be even more so in 2024, especially since these millennials and Gen Zs are probably scared to death of the Republican Party and how they might damage this country. But come 2028, I'm told that millennials and Gen Zs will be the majority of people voting in this country. And at that point, the Republicans are done. You can see all the crazy shit they're doing right now because they know their time is short. They are flailing. They are going to pull every possible thing they can. These stupid investigations, these conspiracy theories. You know, they're going down to Florida and they're, they're, they're trying to abolish abortion. They're trying to outlaw the Democratic Party. Other states are doing similar things. The Tennessee governor uh, is signing a bill to outlaw drag shows and that sort of thing. This is all crazy stuff that ultimately won't play. It won't play very well. And they know that, but they don't have anything else they can do. So they're taking a shot. They're taking a wild swing because that's all they've got. Time is short for the Republican Party. I know you hate what's going on right now, but be patient because these people will fade away. They will have no support, and they will not be elected to anything ultimately. It may take another six years to get there, five years, but it's coming, and time goes by fast. I will tell this to the millennials and the Gen Zs. You maybe don't realize it as much now, but as a guy that's 62 years old, time goes by very, very quickly. Five years is not that long. So be prepared, do the work, stand up, speak out, control the public opinion, and vote the right way, and we can ultimately fix this country. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.